You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. Well, we're in a series called Spiritual Warfare. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I've always attempted to do in the ministry is to minimize as much as possible uh, the fact that we are in a war because people overemphasize it. Even last week when I talked about the demonic and people that overemphasize demons, they wind up basically giving the devil more power, more glory than God. And that's not the case. There, are, there is demonic activity, but as a born-again believer, don't give him any power in your life, and he has no power. If you believe it, shout, it's true. It's true. It's the truth. So I never want to overemphasize the fact that we're in a war, but there is a war going on. The war is not between God and the devil. The war is between us within ourselves. The Bible even speaks about the war between us of the flesh and the spirit constantly at war so we're not free to do the things that we desire to do because the flesh is always rearing its head, you know. Hey, I'm going to go soul winning and then as soon as, as soon as you make a commitment to go soul winning, I mean, it's like you feel weak in your body. I mean, it's just the craziest stuff manifests itself to always try and come against you. And thank God when we get to heaven, we don't have to deal with the flesh anymore. Yeah. Amen. Who's proud of Who's glad about that? Yeah. Jesus. I don't even think you got to bathe in heaven. <laughs> you just always smell like petunias. You know what I mean? There's no sweat. There's nothing up there. It's just a glorious place filled with the goodness of God. Amen. But today I'm going to take it slightly different as I was really pray, and actually this dropped in my spirit um, at the, at the, during Thanksgiving, well not Thanksgiving, but all the way back last week about where to go with this. I've been reading different books, This Present Glory by Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, A Practical Guide to Spiritual Warfare, which I recommend you read. How many people realize that scripturally we have been given weapons to win the fight of faith? Amen. Come on, the Word of God is one. Thank God for the Word. It is absolute eternal truth. If it is in the Word of God, that is the eternal Word of God, and no devil in hell could change the Word of God. Amen. So if you find it in the Word, you can shout it from the rooftops and never be um, ridiculed for it in the sense of the enemy winning because the Word is truth and it will produce what it says. Thank God for the blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus, that is one drop of the blood of Jesus had more power than every demon combined. From hell, that, that drop of blood forever cleansed and made mankind the righteousness of God forevermore. Amen. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. We've been given weapons, the angels of God that war along the side of the ministering, uh, or the ministering spirits given to the heirs of salvation, which is you and I. There's just countless things. Even sowing and reaping is a weapon, scripturally, that as a giver, the Bible says you will, from your giving, reap back. And that's why the devil attacks it. He doesn't want you to ha tap into the blessings of God. He doesn't want you to have what heaven tells you to have. And so you've got to make up a decision and go for it. But today I'm going to talk about something that maybe doesn't line up with some people's idea of spiritual warfare. But I'm going to talk about creating an altar of the Lord in your life. An altar. A place of sacrifice. A place of exchange. And a place of remembrance. Ultimately. Where you create a memorial in your life. 
an altar unto the Lord to remind yourself what it's all about, what, it, what everything really centers back to. We can get sometimes in fights pushing ahead. We get in, even in the American culture, the drive for success, the next level, the greater dimensions and all of these things. And I've seen it take people out where they lose sight of what it's all about. And then ultimately you might arrive to some said destination, but, but the condition you're in by the time you get there is not the condition you want to be in. And with the kingdom of God, it's not about a destination. It is about the condition we walk it in. Amen. That even in the midst of a trial, a child of God is supposed to have joy overflowing. Come on. And there's people in America that are successful that are depressed. That's not your goal. Who in here wants to get money and be depressed? Come on. Not a single one of us. But let's talk about it because people do get there. Because they lose sight of this. Turn with me in the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to follow along a, just a, a, a bit of scripture along what I'm going to talk about today. But as you're turning to Genesis chapter 12, you can pin mark it. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Come on, somebody. What has he blessed us with? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says all praise to God. What does that mean? That means praise break right there. Come on. Somebody just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I have been blessed with every, every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Life everlasting, freedom, joy, peace, overcoming. Blessing, favor, grace, mercy, I have been given all of it. And keep reading, verse 4 says, Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes, God decided in advance. Come on, so somebody look at your neighbor and say, It's already been decided. Do you win? Absolutely you win. It's already been decided before he ever even made us. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That right there will preach, won't it, Uncle Joe? My God. I was reading that this week. I was like, he decided before he even made us. I love that. It is established by the one that has the authority to establish something forevermore, that I am a blood-bought child of God, washed, redeemed, set free, empowered, delivered, filled on by His Spirit, and seated in heavenly places. There is a table set before me, just like this Thanksgiving. Come on, somebody. I ate six different sacrificial animals to the Lord. The roasted bald eagle was especially tasty. <laughs> a little gamey, but ultimately it was good. Cost a lot, though. People don't know how to take my humor sometimes. Someone says, <laughs> what does bald eagle taste like? A little bit like snow owl, you know. Go down the endangered species list. The tiger was delicious. (laughs) 
Genesis chapter 12. Praise break. Already been decided. Genesis 12 said, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. And there he set up a camp beside the oak of Morah. And at that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. When we talk about creating an altar to the Lord, I wanted to talk about this first. Obviously, following, the Bible says in Scripture that every born-again believer has the same blessing upon their lives as Abraham. Amen? Amen. The same covenant that was cut with Abraham has been cut through us by the blood of Jesus and by our faith to believe that. Who believes it? If you believe it, say amen. amen. So what that means is, ultimately for those of us, by faith, that though we are not blood relatives of Abraham, we are blood relatives with Jesus Christ. And by that blood relative with Jesus Christ, we have every spiritual blessing, as I started, in the heavenly realms giving unto us. Come on. So when we read things like this with Abram, we understand that as a child of God, that same opportunity is available to us. Now, what did God tell Abram? Abram, Abram the Lord said to Abram, leave Basically, your native area, your father's house, the comfort of what you've known, the comfort of the natural, the comfort of what has been laid up for you in this world. Walk away from this world and follow me and I will do great and wondrous things in your life. It reminds me of scripture when it says that anybody in Christ Jesus is therefore a new creation. We have walked away from the things of this world. We have by faith chosen not to participate with the world's idleness or wickedness or anything of it. We can't be bought by the world. We don't want the world's wealth. We don't want the world's maneuvers. We want nothing to do with it. By faith in Jesus Christ, I turn my back on this world and I follow him. Come on. And think about that. Abram walked away from the comfort of his father's area to an area he did not know to a foreign land, to a hostile land, which is ultimately what we're talking about now, spiritual warfare. People have realized this, that when you go after God, when I was a heathen, my life was not good. I would wake up, pounding headache, no memory of the night before, don't know where I've been, don't know what I've done, don't know the people that are in the house with me, checking my phone to find it out. It was not blessed living. But then when I started pursuing God, it was like crazy, weird things happen to knock me down. People are like, why is it that when I go after God, suddenly I'm going through, it's like maybe I shouldn't go after God because it's easier when I don't go after God. 
As long as I stay one foot in the world and one foot in the church and don't really pursue God, it seems like I get away and free run up the side. But you're not running up any side. You are, you are literally a hamster on the wheel of hell going around in circles. But when you decide to get off of that wheel, you may have a fight to break out of that place. But let me tell you, fight the good fight of faith. And know this, every promise and every spiritual blessing laid up in the heavenly realm belongs to you. And by faith, you will lay hold of that thing. Amen. So it says, man, I'm trying to go after God and then my household blows up. This happens. My job falls apart. Finances drop around. I, I know. We've all experienced it, most of us, that when you go after God, it's almost like you first have to press past that resistance level. Trying to convince you to backslide once again. But you just gear up, say, no, this is not the promises of God. This is smoke and mirrors from hell. And I'm going to continue into that promised land. And guess what? Everything he said he will give me, he will give me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And if you believe it, shout amen in this river. Come on, somebody. We're talking about building an altar to the Lord. Now, when, when, when we realize the reality of this, he built an altar to the Lord when he got to this foreign, unknown place. When he built the altar, obviously he made a sacrifice to God, he gave to God, but ultimately it was a reminder of why he was there. Sometimes you have to remind yourself, why is it that my life is different than the world? Why is it that the things, it's not because someone forced you to it, it's because along the way you made a conscious decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, because you recognize I don't like life without him, and I want him in my life. And the devil does his best to make you forget the reason why. Take your eyes off of the prize and feel like, what's it all for? And you've got to stay the course and say, man, I'm serving the Lord. I made this decision, and I will stick to my decision in Jesus' name. He built an altar to the Lord. An altar, you know, the Bible talks about that in Romans chapter 4. The promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, Romans 4, 16. And we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. And this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing even when there was no reason for hope Abraham kept hoping, come on, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For the, God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Yet Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Faith is the evidence of things unseen, the proof of the invisible. Which in other words means someone's got to believe it, declare it, and go after it before anybody's ever going to see it. Come on, somebody. So that resistance level, when you start going after the promises of God, is meant to persuade you that nothing is on the other side of this fight. That you're just going to be in a fight all the days of your life. But guess what? The devil doesn't have the resources that heaven has. 
He can bring a resistance for a season, but after that, the breakthrough comes, baby. And you will be standing where the Lord intends for you to stand if you will keep your eyes on God. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't lose sight of why you're doing it. Remember the Lord thy God. He is with you and he has sent you forth. And by faith, everything will come to pass. You know, interestingly though, Abraham was called into a foreign land and the Lord told him that I will give you this land. Do you know that Abraham died physically before that land was ever really given to him? It was 400 years later this promise actually came to pass. But because of one man's faith to stand the test of time and not back down, but claim it by the faith of Jesus Christ on the inside, guess what? It happened. Some things in life that you're believing for, maybe it happens in the next generation. But it doesn't mean you didn't win. We win. We win big time. Come on, somebody. Galatians 3, 9, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received. This first altar is letting go of what's familiar. We're going to follow Abraham's walk, and he built many altars to the Lord. Life has those things. It's letting go of what's familiar. When I first got saved, I was a young man. I thought I was, well, I was really a kid. I was 19, 20 years old. I thought I knew everything. I was very confident in myself. Then the older you get, the more you realize you don't know anything. It's true. You heard people that were older say that, and you thought, you're just saying that. Then you get older and realize, no, you really don't know anything. (laughs) I don't know. But by God, I'll figure it out. Amen. But when I got saved, obviously the first thing you had to do that of serving the Lord, man, I cried out to God. God delivered me of drugs and alcohol. He, he cleansed me of addictions in my life. He spoke to me. He said, I want you to go to Bible college. This all happened really rapidly. So here I was, you know, considering various things in life, working, doing this, that. Never even knew Bible colleges existed. Then the Lord calls me, sends me, delivers me. I'm on a brand new journey. That's a great journey. And along the way, there I'm a single guy. All I had to do was believe that the Lord would supply for me. And that's where we are in life, that sometimes you, you might be at that place. Man, you're all by yourself, and it's actually an easy place to believe the Lord. If you're a single person, you're like, man, if I just had a husband, if I just had a... No, nope, by yourself, it's very easy. A single person can get by with next to nothing. There's always a couch available. When I was a single guy following the Lord, I was the dude on the couch at some people's apartments. Slept on the couch for months, you know, whatever. It was easy. And then I remember getting married, and we had Taylor right away, and it was like now, it's like I had to actually learn again the principles of faith to believe that God loves my family as much as I love my family, in fact, greater. And just as he supplied for me, he would supply for them. And I had to learn that, building an altar in my life, the altar of, number one, just my salvation, then my marriage. And that's a place, it's a place you build. This is a place that you've got to remind yourself. You married this person, God gave you this person, you made a commitment before God that there would be a blessing in your household, that God would be center and foremost in that union, and you've got to remind yourself of long the test of time, this is a gift from God. And I'm going to guard this union and I'm going to believe for the blessing of God in this union and remind yourself what it's all about. Are you with me right now? But it's the place, the first 
altar he built the leaving of the things that you're familiar with to the things you're unfamiliar with, the salvation moment is basically leaving the old and walking into the new. When are you a new creation? You're a new creation the moment you're in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. But that's a continual work, right? We're talking about building an altar to the Lord. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for a career. You're fighting to build a business. You're fighting uh, politics. You're fighting this. You're fighting that. But if you lose sight of the first altar of your life, my new life in Christ Jesus, that he is continually working new things within the inside of me, and that the joy of my salvation is enough to face every storm of life. And rather, like Paul said, what good does it profit a man to save the whole world but lose his own soul? See, that's where the enemy wants to get you wrapped up in a fight, a fight so grand, so glorious. It's like people talk about don't sacrifice your family, don't sacrifice your life on the altar of ministry. People can even do it in that capacity, fighting to take territory in the ministry and lose sight of their own salvation. What would Paul even say? He would say, pray for us. That's when he said it. Pray for me. Lest I myself fall, for what does it profit a man if I gain the whole world but I lost my own soul? It's a continual work. It's a reminder. When you go to pray, when you're in the storms, when you're this with that, you've got to go back to the firm foundation of the joy of my salvation. Man, as bad or as great or as big as the Goliaths come as a born-again believer, at least you're not where you were before Christ. Come on, somebody. You're not going back to your vomit like a dog. You're not going back to death. You know what that is like. And thank God he plucked you out of that. And now you're standing in the promises of God. And yeah, there may be a thousand enemies surrounding you. But guess what? The promise, the same promise is upon every one of us. That though that enemy may come one way, he will flee seven different ways. He's going to leave. He's going to lose. And he will leave. But you've got to remind yourself, thank God I'm saved. Jesus, thank, look at the politics. Just follow the world right now. Where do you derive hope if you don't have Jesus Christ? Bro, the world is so sick and twisted and perverted. My God. We watched the Santa Claus show. And they say, I love Satan on it. And it's supposed to be a joke, but still, I promise you, I doubt they're going to put the name Jesus in it, but they'll put the name Satan in it. This is the world we're in, Disney. Hey, we're here for the kids. I love Satan. <laughs> Mind you, devil, I don't love Satan at all. I love whooping Satan's butt. And I said it publicly. I love Satan, but the world has lost its ever-loving mind. Inflation's through the roof. People invested in the stock market. People bought crypto. People bought this. Things are tanking everywhere you look. Who cares? At the end of the day, I'm a blood-bought child of God. I am merely passing through this land. And let me tell you, I don't care whether I have a lot or I have a little. I have learned this thing that I am well supplied in Christ's sufficiency. My God, if a raven's got to show up at the ring household and drop off an apple pie, I'm opening the window and that glorious pie will arrive in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. 
If a deer's got to walk in my front yard and fall over from a heart attack so that I can send my wife out there to butcher it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. My God. Why? Because I am a child of God. Because I am not in the kingdom of men anymore. That kingdom is not my kingdom. My kingdom has a glorious king. Come on. And when the righteous rule, all the people are blessed. And I'm of a kingdom where righteousness rules and reigns. And that's forevermore. And there's, I'm held in the, in the palm of God, in the hand of God, where no man can pluck me out. Remind yourself of that. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Where does the devil beat you down? To lose sight of the reality of the number one miracle God did in your life was you're saved. Jesus even said to his believers when they went out, man, demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It's like, it's like when you walk into a restaurant and there's 50 people waiting, but you had the foresight to get a reservation. And you walk past all 50 people starving, grumbling, and complaining, and you say, Caleb, party of four. Well, welcome, Mr. Ring. Come on back here. That's right. That's who I am. My name's written in that book, baby. Jesus. That's good news, Uncle Joe. I think that's going to stick for this morning at least. I'm a new creation. It's a continual work inside of me. Thank God for the continual work too. People are like, I'm saved. People, people, lose, people look at Christians and wonder, why do Christians do all the stupid things they do? Well, because we're all at different levels. In actual fact, scripturally, the Bible says almost every one of us started out foolish anyways. God didn't choose the wise. He chose us idiots, and so we're a work in progress. (laughs) Amen. Feel like you screwed up big? Guess what? You're in good company. There are many people that screw up in the kingdom of God. Now watch this. He builds an altar to the Lord. And then he progresses forward and he builds another altar in, in, in Genesis chapter 12. Built an, another altar to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. So he continued moving forward. Reminding himself of the promises of God. Traveling south by stages towards the Negev. I'm in sta- different stages of life. Thank God for the different stages of life. Recognize that stage. There's times of war, there's times of peace, there's times of rest. There's times of sowing into another. There's times of fighting for your own place. Uh, recognize those. And then the Bible says, At that time a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. So here the Lord calls him into the land of Cana, but then he gets there and famine breaks out. The world loses its mind. Things turn south. But he's got a promise of God. Surely everything's going to be all right. But yet the Bible says he was forced out of the land because of the hardship within the land. Hard times come. Part of spiritual warfare is recognizing there will be seasons or stages of life where it doesn't feel hunky-dory. Amen? 
where sometimes it's like I heard one preacher say, sometimes you got to call things what they are. Things are good and things are bad. Stop trying to find the good and the bad. It's just bad. You know what I'm saying? Some things suck in life. And you, I think you can say that publicly now. <laughs> so hard times come. Tough times are just that, though. They're tough times, meaning that time will come to an end. There's a season to all things. As a nation, we're in a tough season right now. Craziness going on, insanity going on, upheaval going on. But for a child of God, it does not negate the promises of God in your life. Because even though famine struck him in Egypt, you know, if you follow this story, by the time he returned from Egypt, he was actually very wealthy and very rich. Because Pharaoh looked at Sarah, found out it was his wife, and just gave him a whole lot of stuff and said, get out of town. <laughs> Moral of the story, marry a hot wife. Oh. <laughs> We're going to Egypt for her birthday. I'm going to come back a very rich man. <laughs> Where did you get so many camels, Pastor Caleb? Keep going and keep letting go. That's the key. Keep moving. God leads us forward. He doesn't lead us backwards. God leads us forward. And remember that I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward in life. I'm going after the things of God. I'm going to go. Tough times come. Failures come. Stepped out on a limb. Believed big. Fell flat on my face. Anybody in here ever failed? Come on. Absolutely. But do you stay at that place? No, you get up, you clean yourself off, and you keep moving forward. And most people that have done great things in life, if you follow their track record, they had to fall, fail gloriously multiple times before they finally got it right. Key is just keep getting up and just keep moving forward. Amen? Spiritual warfare. Maybe you're in a season where you feel like giving up. That's a lie from hell that's perpetrated. We talked about the influence of the demonic to pressure you. Quit. Do this. Give up. Give up on your marriage. Give up on that kid. Give up on this career. Give up on this business. Give up on that promotion. Stop working for this boss. Stop believing for your cousin to get saved. They're just, to all of these things, this pressure is just noise at the end of the day. And recognize it's literally just noise. And if I keep moving forward, it doesn't matter what noise around me, I will break through in Jesus' name. I will get where I'm supposed to get. And the Bible actually says, interestingly enough, that after coming from Egypt, verse 13, it says he left Egypt, traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. And there they pitched their tents between Bethel and A, i.e., where they had camped before. And this was the same place where Abram had built the altar and there he worshiped the Lord again goes back to the first altar he went through hard times he saw provision he saw blessing he was kicked into Egypt came back and what did he do he went back to the first altar go back to your salvation come on go back I mean I've been kicked around I've been pushed around go back to the fact that but I am still 
the apple of his eye, the blood-bought child of God. His hand is upon my life. He is supplied according to his riches and glory. Every day is a gift from God. His hand is with me. His voice leads me. His spirit fills me. His angels guard me. He goes away or goes ahead and makes a path for me. Remind yourself of these things. Mind yourself of who you are. I'm not an empty person. I am a child filled with God. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am set free. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So who am I? I'm royalty. Come on. Go back to your salvation, people. Man, rejoice in that alone. I am saved. I am forgiven. I screwed up, but my past is behind me, and my future is secure in Christ Jesus. Amen? Come on. Remind yourself of these things. This is who you are. This is what he's done. This is the completed work of the cross. This is the established truth. That in you, by faith, every promise of God, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has been given to you. For Christ Jesus decided in advance to make it so. It's good news. It's good news, man. If we could all go into the stock market knowing ahead of time what the stock market would do. We would have an advantage in life, and we would be pretty cocky, wouldn't we? Well, guess what? In the reality of eternity, that's where you stand. You know this. By faith, it will be well. And I've sat with people, and I've talked with people. And it's like sometimes you've got to remind yourself, the things that you think are important are not always important. When I first started pastoring, after years on the road, we actually thought within ourselves, if we got to 100 members, we would arrive, it would be great, and everything would be wonderful, and there would be no wars, it'd be like, it's just clear sailing after that. <laughs> Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> Man, if we just break to 200, it's always in our minds, it's amazing how much we uh, attach our joy to something we don't yet have. And convince ourselves, if we got that, then we would be happy. Rather than addressing the issue which really is at bay, that I need to find joy right now. Because right now I'm saved, set free, born again, delivered, blessed, and highly favored by God. And I am needing nothing else to walk in when I walk in. Come on, somebody. I can show up in a desert and a, and a river going to find me Jesus some of us probably wish we were in a desert sometimes remind yourself of that let go of the words that have been spoken over you of failure let go of the things that have been thrown your way and lobbied your way let go of the accusation accusations brought against you forget those things they won't hold they won't stick they won't be with you in eternity and they don't have any power unless you give them power. Let go of those things. Stop trying to drag your whole past forward to your next altar. Let it go. Like that frozen song says, just let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Let it go. 
What does it turn away and slam the door? I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold doesn't bother me anyway. <laughs> Let it go, man. If you hold to the past, all people do. That's why unforgiveness is so destructive to a child of God, because it, hold, it anchors you in that place of hurt. So you can't get to that altar of joy and gratitude. You're anchored to this place of failure, this place of hurt. They did this to me. They said that to me. They planned that against me. They did this, or I did this, and maybe it's unforgiveness to yourself. And you're anchored to that place, and you've got to learn, man, I've got to let go of that. I don't want to stay there. Who wants to stay miserable? But the world does. You know, before I got saved, we used to brag about how bad our life was. It's actually human nature. I've realized this. That's where the redeemed spirit's got to come alive in you. Because it's like human nature is to almost, you feel like you, you got, my life is worse than Pastor Mark's. So Pastor Mark needs to recognize that I've had it harder than him. And only when Pastor Mark recognizes that he has had every ease in life and I have been the one that has been pushed down. Look at the world, what's happening right now. Only then do I feel validated in my struggle. And Pastor Mark's never struggled. How narcissistic and moronic can you get? Every one of us have had a struggle. Come on. People look at royalty and think how great it is. You hear the royals, they're like, I want out of this hell. I mean, imagine not even being allowed to wipe your own bottom. I love the crowd. Half wants to laugh, the other are like, no, 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 oh, God. Everybody, everybody will face something. Stop trying to wallow in your self-pity. And hold yourself that so that other people will feel sorry for you. And by that, you think that that gives you joy. Joy comes from the fact that nothing can break me and nothing can hold me down. And where I started is not where I'm going to wind up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The hand of the Lord is on me. I have more than enough. And that can manifest in a million different ways. But guess what? It's true. Keep your eyes forward. Keep moving towards Christ, and he will perpetually transform you each and every morning. Amen? Amen. Keep moving forward. Remind yourself, an altar is a place of sacrifice. And we all sacrifice for things in life. You know, I talked about a house in order just a bit ago, getting the house in order. And one of the jobs of the man for the household scripturally is to be the head of the house, to lay down his life for the family and for his wife. Like Christ laid down his life for the church. It's a sacrifice as a man. And you look at the world, there's people that walk away from their families because they think it'll be easier if they don't have to support the kids and the wife. It's a sad thing to see. But those people never get ahead. Because it's not the place that you're supposed to be at. If you stay the course and you sacrifice, yeah, you might not be able to go on as many hunting trips as you want to go on. Yeah, you might not be able to do this. You might not be able to do that. But guess what? 
a sacrifice is an indication of giving something of value because you value something else more. And remind yourself, when we talk about an altar to the Lord and salvation itself in life, it's like the spiritual warfare. That's why people walk away from important things in the life. People get married and then they walk away six, seven years later. They can't stand one another. It's over with. Whatever. It's, it's because the enemy gets in there and taints what it was all about and makes you feel like, what is the value of it? You are the one responsible to find the value and remind yourself of that place that you were at in love. And that's why you freely chose to give your life to another person. And remind yourself of Christ in, in, in our walk with God and salvation. The sacrifice that he gave. He willingly gave the best gift he could give. And he has never, ever pulled that gift away. He's never looked at you after 18 altar calls and said, man, maybe I missed it on Caleb. Maybe I missed it on John. Maybe I should pull that back and just should have given a chicken as a sacrifice for them. He gave his best. And he never withheld from that moment forward, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. It has been established and it is available for you and he never pulls it away. And you remind yourself of that. Yes, altars are a place of sacrifice. Abraham had to sacrifice the comfort zone of his father's household. As you move in faith, there will be prices tags attached to it. Not for your salvation, you can't buy your salvation. But to maneuver in faith in this world, there are price tags attached to it. To stand for righteousness. I've walked away from job opportunities. People have walked away from promotions. You start looking at the world and the wickedness that is actually in the world. And it is absolutely true that there are high heights in mankind that are only given to you if you sacrifice your life, basically, to wicked agendas. But thank God that we serve a God that sacrificed his life for us. Amen? If you're in a battle, my, my job, my this, my that. Go back and remind yourself of the blessing attached to it. Because though an, an altar is a place of a sacrifice, it's also a place of an exchange. And yeah, you might give up free time because now you have kids and you don't even know what free time looks like anymore. <laughs> you run in the bathroom, turn on the shower to eat a Twinkie. To have some me time. You don't even remember. You hear people talk about boredom. You're like, I wish. Sounds like a happy place to me. I haven't even had an opportunity. I had my underwear on backwards for three days and didn't realize it. You lose years of youth, you blink, you, you got kids, you blink, you're middle-aged. What happened? I feel, I look at college football games and I feel like I am a college person. And then I realize I have a daughter that's a college person. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Thank God this life is but a vapor. And I'll live forever with God because it feels like it's moving really quickly right now. I was walking behind, sorry, I was walking behind an older guy 
and the Publix on Thanksgiving with Emma, and I was like, Emma, what kind of, what kind of a old dude do you think I'm going to be? Like, one day you'll be middle-aged, and I'll be old, and we'll be walking. And she's like, oh, you're going to be a cool old dude. And I was like, what's a cool old, old dude? And she was like, oh, you're going to play like sports and stuff like that. I was like, well, what's mommy going to be like? She's going to play bingo. <laughs> so it's scripted, you know what I'm saying? 40 years from now, where's Pastor Caleb? He's playing squash and Kirsten's playing bingo. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes, you know. <laughs> She's going to play bingo. Goals. Hashtag goals. Who in here likes bingo? All right. We should have a bingo night here. B24. You sacrifice along the way in life, you lose money. You invest, you do this, you lose that. Man, don't let that be something that takes you out just because you lost something that's temporal anyways. Years, you sowed it. You didn't lose those years. You sowed those years into something of value. And never lose sight of that along the way, reminding yourself. So it's a war. And the enemy's best tactic is to make you feel like you're not making a difference or that you don't matter. Or that you're running out of time. Those are the three primary mental influences brought by hell. You're not making a difference. You're not doing enough. You're running out of time. Or what's it all for? Those things pound people's minds. you got to remind yourself, what's it all for? The true value of life is not my money in my bank account. Come on. It's, it's along the way. It's like the outlaw Josie Wells. It's how many people can I get following me in life? That stick with me. How many kids, grandkids, the joy of life is the relationships you have. That's the value. What did God come for? He didn't come to build a kingdom. He didn't come to build a palace. He didn't come to be. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. The only thing of value in God's eyes are us. And so if God values us that much, you should value each other that much too. Come on. And if you remind yourself of that, boy, you are wealthy in life. Come on. Because a person that gets that right doesn't need a lot of other things in life to be a, value, a, a, a wealthy person. It's like, the, it's like that movie, the, the Christmas movie. It's a wonderful life. At the end of it, he'd helped so many people, everybody came and helped him. That's the value of life. Amen? Amen. Remind yourself that. And then that you're running out of time. How many people ever feel like, man, I, I got it. I need to, I need, I'm running out of time. Time's slipping away. I'm not as young as I once was. <laughs> Nobody will raise their hand, but everybody thinks it. Okay, those people. Thank you in the back. There was like four that decided to commit. <laughs> give, give them a special prize. I'm running out of time. Time's slipping away. I got to hurry up. I got to do it. I got to do this. I got to do that. Guess what? You are going to live forever. <laughs> you know how, for, how long forever is? You ever had somebody send you or, or, or make you watch a video you didn't want to watch? 
You have to watch this. Especially 15 minutes in, it really gets good. Oh, 15 minutes in, great. It's that times a million, times a trinity. You're going to live forever. That's why within you, there is this, these desires, these dreams, these expectations. Take Abraham. I mean, the Lord blessed him. He gave him a son, the promised son. And then when he told him to sacrifice, he went to do that. But God himself brought a ram to sacrifice instead. But he still didn't get the promise. It came 400 years later. So whatever, wherever you get, it's not just about what you get. It's about the fact that did I leave a mark in this earth? Did I, did I pour into those around me? Did I leave something? Because a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but that's not just money. If all you leave is money, money can disappear in a second. You teach them the goodness of God, the wonders of God, the name of Jesus, the power of salvation. You teach them that, that's an inheritance that goes for a thousand generations. Come on. Come on, somebody. Keep moving forward, and it's a memorial. Uh, an altar is a, is a reminder, and that's like what I, I wanted to close with today. Just remind yourself on life. It's the holiday season. You already see people, prophets already prophesying what 2023 is. You're not even in there yet. You know, 2023, the Lord says it's a year of readjustment. Okay. Well, there's a lot that needs readjusted. I'll agree with that. But I'm still in 2022. I still have weeks left with my kids. And people, I've noticed in life that one of the biggest things we look for is purpose. And purpose matters. Because if you don't know what you're doing something for, then it gets very empty to keep doing it. And that's why I'm talking about the altars of life. Your salvation. The Bible says, do everything as unto the Lord. Why do I show up on time at work and not flake out? Because I want to impress my boss? No, but because I'm representing Christ Jesus. It's because he is a king that is excellent. And if I'm going to reflect him to this world, I want people to look at me and think that Christ is excellent. I don't want to taint his name with my laziness. Come on. That's where your character derives from. and traces back to, I do things with excellence, not because I'm trying to impress people. I do it because I want to reflect him to this world as best as possible. It's a memorial to remind yourself. And purpose is fluid, people. There are seasons where your purpose is to push through something great for the kingdom of God, to push through something for the next generation. And there are times where purpose is literally as simple as grab the people that you love, shut the doors of life out for a little bit, and spend time with each other. Come on. That is purpose in itself. Communicate, love, be there for each other, support one another. This is the holidays. Make the most out of the rest of the year. Come on. Take that time to look, reflect on the goodness of God and everything He has blessed, blessed you with. Write the list sometimes of everything, then it just starts going through the roof when you start seeing how much God has done. And it reminds you, man, really, I'm a blessed person. Amen? I was coming back from paintballing uh, on Friday, and I was showering. Man, it was like, it was the, you wanted to shower all day long. We sweat so much. It was hours later. Finally, I'm showering, and I was just so thankful for a shower. But then I just started thinking, man, thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done in my life. You know, when I thought, because I was sitting there thinking back, people, just what, what life was before I knew Christ Jesus. 
Like I was raised a redneck in Tennessee. The highest dream was a four-wheel drive pickup truck, hunting dogs, and a good shotgun. And there's nothing wrong with that. Except for the fact that then it's just also, it was just an emptiness. People were empty. There was no true joy. That's why we were all on 17 drugs. Trying to feel something that we didn't have naturally. And then to be able to say that he found me in that. I wasn't looking for Christ. Are you with me? I wasn't wise enough to know that I needed him. I cried out one time because I was sick of the room spinning. But I didn't really pursue him. I wasn't going after God. But he found me in the midst of that, and he washed me, cleansed me, changed me, and gave my life a complete different trajectory. I mean, I look back. I mean, and there's times, I mean, there's always a frustration that I have because, I, like I said, you feel, I should have done more. I should have had a better plan. I should have done this. I should have done that. I could have done that. Why didn't I do that? All those things. Because hindsight is twenty twenty, But you didn't do it. Why is that funny? Oh, 2020 of the year. 2020 is behind us. Amen. 2020 wasn't that bad of a year. At the end of it all, the roads were not really crowded. It was nice to go into Orlando. I actually drove the wrong way up a four lane and it didn't even matter. No one was there. We went to eat at Saltgrass in the midst of it, and we were like the only people in the restaurant. We had six waiters. Is there anything else you need? More bread? More water? A massage? No, really. We're good. Privacy would be great. But I, but I realized, man, my life could have been entirely different than it is. And remind yourself of that. You... Anything you've gone through, anything that you've gone through with Christ Jesus at your side. And he will faithfully be with you until the end of time. And one day you'll cross over on the streets of gold and you'll realize all the things that we thought mattered here don't even really matter. It doesn't matter at all. What really matters is Christ Jesus in me. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And now everything I do, let me do it as unto the Lord. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.